There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and Dominic Fifield of The Guardian. It's become a business management cliche. How does an individual or an organisation go from good to great? In football terms, we're about to find out. Manchester City are good. Very, very good. The next fortnight will tell us whether they can be great. They've won one trophy and they'll play Watford in the FA Cup final. More immediately, three games against Spurs in the Champions League and Premier League will be followed by the Manchester derby. Win that little lot and we're in uncharted territory, aren't we? Well, we are. I mean, they, I guess Manchester United went fairly close to a quadruple statistically in 2008-9, but I think they, they, they were never as... Um, they were never really going to reach it, I think, if you look at it. Whereas this City team, we know, are capable of doing it. That's what we're looking at at the moment, is sheer potential, sheer um, ability, um, sheer squad power and and uh, a formula that just doesn't seem to be being challenged, um, apart from in the odd game, for quite a long period of time. So we know all of that, but to become a great team, you've, you've, you have got to come through tests and... and and win, and one one of the nice things I think about the the fact they've got these three games vs Spurs, then the United match in the league is you want to see a team tested if you're going to declare it great or not, and this is a test. If if they you know no, no matter what their strengths are, if they can come through four games like that, um, victorious, um, and then obviously go and go and win the the trophies as well. That is a great team. You know, United in '99, we think of the the tests they came through were incredible, particularly the Arsenal. FA Cup semi-finals and then having to win against um, Juventus and then Bayern Munich. But we haven't really, there's a sense we still haven't seen City pass those tests, uh, but we're about to find out now. Because mm. in that sense, they've had complete domination, haven't they? And when you have that complete domination, you are, you know, by definition, you're never tested. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they seem to... It's certainly in the Premier League of late, they've they've won games very early on um, and, and and been coasting through the latter stages. You could argue the same thing in the FA Cup semi-final against mm. Brighton, um, and that gives them or ensures that they're not they're not knackered, they're not they're not mm. mentally drained um, by by the games. And, and and you know, conversely, Liverpool are having to scrap for every every point at the moment. And they look and, and what they're doing in its own way is is incredible. Um, but it's very different to City. City seem to have 
a bit more that they can give. They can go to another gear potentially if they need to, but and they'll need to in these in these four matches coming up um, after um, well with the Crystal Palace match in in, in between as well. But uh, Spurs, I don't think City will beat Spurs three times in a row. Okay. Um, so it's it's about you know which one of those games. They, they don't win and how if, if they lose it how much they lose it by and, and if it's a Premier League defeat that could be I mean there's no there's no margin forever in no, the Premier League at all, all given Liverpool's run in but it, it is intriguing they've just got so much, so much talent so much the squad depth is there for all to see um, Aguero will presumably come back after mm. a, a little mini break in, in rehab and, and will come back firing as well so much, so much in their armory. Really, it's it is frightening. Mm. If you look at Spurs, Johnny, what are the keys to them beating City? Well, City have got very, very few weak spots. But I suppose if there's one, it's at left back. I, I, I watched Mendy on on Saturday not press a, a convincing case at all that that he's going to be the answer. Um, so that that that's something with with maybe the the cleverness of Son able to play wide could be a factor for them. Um, I think otherwise, the, the, the other thing that strikes you about City is that the, the, I, I do wonder if there's still a glass jaw there, um, that they have got a capacity to, if they lose one goal, they can be disorientated um, and they can lose another one quite quickly. We saw Liverpool exploit that in the Champions League yeah. last year, but I think Palace exploited that this year in the league. And I think it comes down to the method, you know, that there's such a methodical team. You watch them play and you can see so many training ground patterns and you can and, and you can see so much control exerted by their mastery of position and possession. But when that's disturbed, a bit like, you know, the, the brilliant box who suddenly gets a mm. a smack on the jaw, they can they can take ten minutes, fifteen minutes to to sort of come back to the control that they had before and, and that's when a team can can get to them. So I think tactically if Spurs can pinpoint that left-back weakness, but in terms of the momentum of, of these games, if they get a chance, if they score, I think they have to really try and press home that advantage, press it home quickly against City because I, I still think there's a I think there's a vulnerability there, but I'm only, only saying think because, as I say, we haven't really seen them fully tested yet but Spurs have certainly got to explore it. Mm. Have Spurs got the necessary big team or big club mentality for a game or games of this magnitude? Well, I don't, Pochettino clearly doubts that they do, I and mean, he's urging them to become that. Um, and I think it will, if, if this, the, the core of the team stays together, the management team stays together, um, and with the new stadium, that will develop in time. Um, but I don't think, I don't think anyone's suggesting that they've got it at the moment. I mean, if you've got that that mentality about you, you don't have the run that Spurs have just endured um, and you don't drop out of contention in the manner in which they have and, and to the extent that they were going for the title and now they're scrapping to retain a place in the top four. Um, I think on their day they they can be untouchable, but okay, they played in fits and starts against Palace last week and that on an occasion that was there was a distraction there wasn't there I mean the, the opening of the new stadium this is a very different um, match and, and test for them but they really haven't shown impressive persuasive form uh, for a while now oh, it? Yeah. probably six weeks I mean, they've lost ten Premier League games which is quite rare for a team sitting in third and they haven't done certainly not against 
City that have, have, in the last sort of two seasons have they have they really laid a glove on them? I, I do wonder about them against the the top sides, and actually whether Pochettino is unfair in saying it's mental. I just wonder if it's not quite at the, the level of those. Did they inflict they inflicted Pep's first league they defeat, did. didn't they? But they we're, did. we're going back a while. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's... But key players as well. You, I, you know, I look at Christian Eriksen, and he's almost got that pre-move languor hmm. about him. You know. Well, yeah, and and, and that that will be. That is disconcerting. The situation around a number of their players is disconcerting. Um, well, I guess I guess the appointment of Solskjaer has at least <laughs> allayed the risk yeah. of, of potentially losing Pochettino in the summer. Um, but I think that also goes to illustrate how they should be praised for being in the position they're in, um, in both in the Premier League and the Champions League, because it was always going to be an unsettling season of yeah. transition yet again, in terms of the, particularly in terms of the stadium. Um, and, you know, without, without even going into the market, mm. they've, they've <clears> held their position to a, at, at a certain level. Uh, but this is a different type of test. Mm. Um, and if they got through it, I mean, if they managed to knock City out, I mean, that's, wow. that's one hell of a statement. Yeah. Mm. Mm. To do that, they've probably got to win Tuesday night at home. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne, who's another one who's had a you know, mm. fairly you know, long break, so he's pretty rested. You know, he poo-poos the idea that the stadium will have any bearing on the, on the tie. Do you agree with that? I do. One, one question I don't have about the City team is their ability to handle all sort of circumstances and shut that out. I think they're so professional that doesn't come into it. And I say that having seen them at Newport in, in a really, one of those really difficult FA Cup settings, um, difficult pitch, you know, Newport were brilliant. Um, and the way City came through that with with great, uh, you know, comfort in the end. The difficult, the Swansea, the Swansea game, the position they were in against Swansea, going to Schalke, being against the odds. You know, I think in terms of hostile environment training, they've had that from Pep. They, 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 they're, they're pretty good at that. Um, I think they're too professional for um, those things to, to come into it. It'll have to be one on the pitch, not by the stadium. Mm. You know, there's an element, you know, as we've already mentioned, the predictability about. City, you know, they're almost too good for the common good, if you know what I mean. Um, in that context, let's look very briefly, if we could, at forward to the FA Cup final. You know, it was a heck of a win by Watford, and you know, incredible, you know, self-reliance, if you like, by Troy Deeney. Um, are they up for giving City a game? Because we desperately need someone to give them a game, don't we? Uh, yeah, we we definitely clearly do. Mm. And yeah, of, of I mean, I thought. Either Wolves or Watford would would give City a game on a one-off occasion. Um, I, actually, I actually thought the Wolves might give them a better game because of the way that they play. Uh, Watford would be proactive. Wolves would have been would have sat back and hit them hit them on the counter. But but what Watford achieved at Wembley will have will give them belief that, that there's no reason to be daunted by by Manchester City in a, in a first FA Cup final in what 35 years. Mm. Um, I, I imagine that we'll see Delafoe start the game. <laughs> I mean, what, I still can't get over the elasticity of his right ankle for that Incredible. for that first goal. Yeah. Absolutely astonishing finish. Um, but also but, the brain to actually conceive that. Yeah, fantastic. absolutely. I mean, the, the type of skill that you'd expect of a Manchester City forward, really. Well, it. it could be yeah. next year. <laughs> well, don't. I mean, it's Friday and that, but they, they they will have a chance definitely. And and you know, Troy Deeney. Ruffling up a defence, 
yeah, that's conceivable. Yeah. I mean, if De Cure is you know, established as one of the best midfielders in the if the Premier League plays at, at his top level, then you know they've got they've got someone there that can disconcert Fernandinho potentially. And we don't know what at that stage the other distractions for City might yeah. be. So it's. Uh, there's a, there's a chance. I think they've got a brilliant manager as well. I think yeah. Gracia is, 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 is real contender outside Klopp and Pep for, for manager of the year. And, and one of the things I like most about him is, is his approach to the, the big games. He, he goes in to win them. He's not the one to decry Chris Hutton because he's such a, you know, such a competent manager himself. But that damage limitation thing that we saw from Brighton, you don't get that from Watford. They will come armed with, with a plan. He did that in Spain, you know, he had, he had some big wins against Barcelona and so on in, in, in Spain, but he'll come with some sort of idea of trying to win the game. Sometimes it doesn't work and Watford will get beaten 4 or 5 nil, but they will not be there just to try and contain City and then nick something from a set piece. He'll, he'll look at elements in the game that he thinks he can, he can exploit and that's going to make for a better final, I think, than the kind of Brighton versus City dynamic that we saw in the semi. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned Barcelona there, um, Johnny. Let's look at the the Champions League as a whole. Um, you know, Barcelona, obviously, Messi, forty two goals and counting. Uh, pick pick your you know pick your, your accolade for him. Um, you got Ronaldo, bought mm. to win the Champions League for Juventus. How much will this season's competition be decided by individual genius? Well, it's individual genius against two utterly magnificent collective English teams, isn't it? Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, and then you might throw in Ajax into the mix, playing against Juventus in these, in these um, quarterfinals. With their collectivity and youth and, and, and sort of different things that they bring to the party. So it's, it's a fascinating dynamic. You know, the two best players, certainly of the last 40, 50 years maybe, um, against... Arguably, you know, the best manager of that period in, in, in Pep Guardiola and, and two big collective teams. But, you know, Messi's got enough in him to win any game. But if he was up, if, if there was a Barcelona versus City final, you know, if there's one person that might have a fair idea of how to control him, it's, it's Guardiola. That'd be incredibly um, interesting to watch. It's a shame Ronaldo, even if he plays against Ajax, won't be, I think, fully fit at his best because his willpower in the Champions League as well is something incredible. It's behold. extraordinary, isn't it? Mm. I mean, the impact he keeps making, the targeted impact is just, just ridiculous. Yeah. If it is going to be a City-Barca final, <laughs> you know, that means that Manchester United will have failed. Um, let's look at that tie at Old Trafford. Um, again, a bit of a similar question um, as to earlier. What do United need to do to overcome a Barca team who were, what, 11 points clear in La Liga. And they know these type of games, don't they? Well, they do, but they, they usually lose them away from home in the knockout stage. I, mean, I think it's three years since they last won one away from home in, mm-hmm. the, in the knockout. So there are areas that United can can look at. I mean, if, if United can include a Martial and a Rashford and play with pace, and they'll have to soak up a lot of... Barcelona possession, presumably, even at Old Trafford, but if they can hit them quickly on the counter, then, you know, Busquets has developed a turning circle, <laughs> which is useful for United. Um, I mean, he's going to rely a lot on, on Rakitic at his side, I guess. Um, that The, the defence, yeah, they, 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 can, they can get at that defence at pace, 
Um, but it's just you don't want them to be, become too sidetracked with stopping Messi mm. and Suarez, who have obviously unbelievably prolific again. Um, and Suarez has found his scoring form as, as well in recent times. There is hope there. Mm. If they if they can come away with a lead from that first leg, which you know they then got to sort of avoid the, the what happens that tends to happen at Camp Nou, um, albeit not often from the quarterfinals yeah. stage on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean they they, they they can play at Premier League pace, which I think is, is is the trump card, particularly with La Liga being a little bit uncompetitive in the last couple of years. They can they can force Barcelona to to suddenly have to play at a tempo that they haven't played regularly for a while and, and they have got pace in the break as Dom said the fact they were able to kind of shake PSG and, and by, by, by using that shows you what's what's possible for them I just keep having visions of Messi against yeah. those United defensive yeah. players and defensive midfield players at camp now and, and, and just I can't see them controlling him enough and Luis Suarez has scored 173 goals for Barcelona now so that the other day he only went there yesterday you know so there's more than just Messi of course Uh, if United do anything it has to be done this week and actually it's interesting you throw Coutinho in the mix as well yeah back to England yeah yeah and and he's been linked with heavily with United hasn't he Mm. um, whether that move would ever come about I'm not sure but but um, yeah, he's probably got a point to prove still to Barcelona supporters and, and to mm. that club that, he, that he's got the sufficient pedigree and, and, and calibre to, to, to excel there. Mm. You, know, you mentioned, sort of, let's call it rumour FC, you know, mm. the number of players who are going to go to United now, the <laughs> number of players are going to be shipped out. What's the reality of all that, do you think? Probably half the number of names that have been mentioned. I mean, there was a point last week where there were about eight mm. names that would cost in, in excess of £500 million, pounds, mm. potentially. Um, there are areas that they clearly need to strengthen and, and right back defensive midfield. Yeah, and maybe centre half. half, definitely. Oh, definitely. Um, but and, and they mm. will be putting out feelers there. But I mean, some of the some of the links have been slightly mm. baffling, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I have found in in reporting on Solskjaer at United that it's a pretty easy thing to just say what would Fergie do and, and know that that's probably going to be <laughs> the answer. So I think Fergie in this situation would be looking at young Premier League based talent more than more than anything, trying to sign players from from rivals and probably wouldn't be sort of dipping into the the more obscure European signings. That's not what he did and I I think that's what Solskjaer will go for as well. I think you're looking at your Declan Rice's Wan Bissaka. Um I think Coutinho would be possible because of that Premier League familiarity. Mm-hmm. But I kind of expect and particularly with the, the, the fact they haven't gone for a director of football yet I don't expect a kind of clever, if in inverted commas, transfer window from United. I think they might go for something fairly obvious, which is youth and, and, and what they know. And English talent. Oh. And, and preferably English talent. And the two I mentioned, I think, would be, mm. they'd be the classic Fergie signings. Best young defensive midfielder England have produced, I think, you know, in a generation, tailor-made for United to try and snaffle. That's what Ferguson would have done. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say it with Dom here, but Wan-Bissaka just <laughs> looks like a, the kind of player that fits into the United mm. way of doing things all day long with his energy, his personality and his, um, well, his ability as well. He's ready for the move, isn't he? Um, actually, I don't think he is. Uh, I, think, I think he's got another year left in him at uh, playing every week. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of 
He's been linked heavily with City as well. I just think, well, why would he go to City and mm-hmm. play second mm-hmm. fiddle, to, fiddle to Carl mm-hmm. Walker? I mean, United would make more sense than that, but I think we also have to bear in mind that um, he only has to look across the dressing room at Crystal Palace to, yeah. at a teammate who went to United and didn't work out. Um, it took him a while to get back on the on the rails, but he's, he's a kid with a lot of potential, raw potential. He's played out of his skin for, the last, for this first full season. But we are talking about 14 months, 15 months of professional career. And he was a winger before that. Mm. So, so although he's got the talent, I mean, he's not on a massive wage. It's not as if Crystal Palace would be looking to move him on. Um, so, and it would then take a massive bid for mm. United to secure him. Yeah, there's a lot of ducking and diving going on, obviously, around, yeah. around United at the moment. You've got Lukaku's agent saying that, well, he might not be happy, he wouldn't mind moving on. You've got you know, the usual Pogba psychodramas going on and mm-hmm. Herrera probably going to go to PSG if, if what we yeah. read is correct. Who's going to be leaving Old Trafford, do you think? Well, well I, first of all, I, I don't see the Herrera situation as cataclysmic for United at all. I, I think Herrera's fine, but he's not. he shouldn't be a starting midfielder for Manchester United in terms of the standards they need. Um, I think Matt is another one that's slated to, to leave and, and great player as he's been. He's, he, he's quite old. I think they can afford to lose him. And Lukaku is someone that doesn't fit into Solskjaer's blueprint, really, if they could get a huge fee for Lukaku, who I think, you know, got, he's got his attributes, but I'm not sure they're Solskjaer attributes then. I think that'd be fine as well. I think if they could get rid of Sanchez, mm. that'd be a huge bonus for them. And then the others are like... Darmian and so on. So there's actually, there's actually a lot of players that they could do with moving on. I think the one player that they, they won't want to move on is, is Pogba. 89 million actually is a fairly... doesn't get you that much these days at the top <laughs> of the game. At the time, it was a ridiculous trans, transfer fee. Now, even if you say... Even if you take the argument that Pogba isn't as good as he's been hyped up to be, he's, he's, he's flawed, all that kind of stuff, his attributes are undeniable. So even to get a kind of flawed genius takes more than £89 million pounds mm. these days, and he's 26. I think his contract's 2021. 20, so I think what might be being played out there is a game that's really going to hot up next season with a view to a move in 2020. But he's, he's the one, the, he's a situation, I think, that Solskjaer will look to have under control because that, that, that could become toxic. We, all, we know because of you know, Mina Raiola's um, ability to, to <laughs> detonate <Yeah. laughs> grenades. How do you see Liverpool at the moment, Dom? You know, they've got more points, more wins than in their title-winning season of 89-90. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet they're in this dogfight with, with City for the reasons we talked about earlier. Where are they going into Europe and Champions League? Well, they're on, they've got a kind tie, uh, on paper at least. Uh, they will come up against the Porto team still smarting from the humiliation they suffered at the Dragao to Liverpool, was it 13 months ago, 14 yeah. months ago, uh, when Liverpool won 5-0 there. Um, and I think we've we've already had the sort of messages coming out of the Porto dressing room, this is all about revenge this time, but I, I really think that Liverpool, they won't be distracted by what's going on in the Premier League, they, they, they will get through this tie and take them into the, in, into the semi-final stage. I, I've, I've seen them a couple of times recently. And you don't look at them, they're not playing the expansive football that, that they did last year, obviously. But they, they've got this resilience and belief about them, which is relentless. Southampton on Friday night last week was... You were there, weren't you? Yeah, incredible. And, and just to 
from a shocking start, absolutely. Well, they, they were, they clearly didn't know what hit them. First 15 minutes, they're all over the place, very subdued. And yet they summoned this, this spirit within them to get level. And then actually, when we all talk about city strength in depth, well, actually Liverpool put on Henderson and Milner and they made a massive difference from the bench. I mean, when Alden and Alexander-Arnold for once weren't at it, they looked as if they, they were jaded. Whereas, you know, two experienced older heads came on and, and really imposed Liverpool's style on, on the contest. And although the, the two goals they scored later on were counter-attacks, Liverpool were the, the dominant team throughout that second period. I just think they get they gain so much psychologically from winning matches like that. Um, most of their recent wins, I mean, look at that. They went behind to Burnley. They yeah. were pegged back by Bayern, pegged back by, by Fulham. Yeah, um, pegged back. I mean, they, they they react well within games, and I think that does bode well. Mm. What does that tell us about the method of preparation and the individual and collective character of the team? I think it tells us that that Klopp, first of all, has done fantastic job in building that team and its its belief its personality its mentality um in, in, in the way he's kept it together the way he's he's used um both triumphs and defeats to 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 kind of improve the mentality i think it tells you about the influence of van dyke mm-hmm. who's just I, I don't think i've seen a player project so or emanate so much assurance mm. you know that, that that spreads to i've never seen somebody dominate with his personality really to the extent that van dyke does and i think it's also fantastic recruitment like it's a, it's a it's a brilliantly put together team where they're not not looking at just talent but they do a lot of work into players personalities and mentalities i don't think there's a single player with a questionable mentality and they are doing which is something that i think is almost impossible which is insulating themselves from the the pressure that, that 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 comes with trying to win a title for Liverpool um, that I've, I've seen over the last 20 years of reporting on the club that they seem to be reacting, as Dom noted, week on week to situations where that dream could suddenly die and, and they keep coming back. So extraordinary in terms of mentality, definitely City's equal, um, if not superior in, in that particular attribute. Mm. If you look at the, you know, the standards are unprecedented unprecedented in many ways aren't they in terms of you look at Liverpool drop two points in six games whereas City I think have won the last eight mm. in, in City the league. Won that 22 out of 23 if you yeah, count the capital so how can Liverpool maintain that level against that sort of but Liverpool, rival I don't see anything in Liverpool's running that's going to yeah, see them dip at Liverpool, all I mean, they've got yeah. a very very winnable five games left in the league Liverpool need to win five games yeah. and I think if they win five games they win the league I, might, I might, might, might be wrong but I think there's a pretty good chance City will drop a game somewhere whether it's Manchester United at Old Trafford whether it's Tottenham in the league whether it's something like Leicester which is a difficult game for them the, the standards Leicester are setting now under Brendan Rodgers so if Liverpool win five games I think they win the league and that, that's that's not that, that's not too much to, to push, is it? That's not, that's not too big a, a task to put in front of a set of players. Mm. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, and you go back to Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool, that they faced a difficult home game against Chelsea, mm. but they knew that if they won it, they would, they would yeah. go on to win mm. the league. They got Chelsea they on Sunday. But it's a very different Chelsea these days that, they, that they, they're up against this, this weekend. I mean, the Chelsea that, away from home in particular, I, I just, I think it's four defeats in mm. six, and quite frankly, they should have lost at <laughs> Cardiff as well. 
Um, it's, I, I, I just look at Liverpool. The two hardest games Liverpool have got are Chelsea at home yeah. and Wolverhampton yeah. Wanderers at home yeah. the last day. Um, and I think they've got enough personality and quality to, to, mm. to beat those those two teams in the home matches. So I think I think I'd be surprised if they dropped a point. To be honest, if they did drop a point, they'd be kicking themselves yeah. because they've been throwing it. They'd be throwing it away. Then put, put it this way: if, I'd rather be in Liverpool's position than yeah. City right now. Mm-hmm. We were talking off air about the influence of Pepin Linders. You know, yeah. the piece in yeah. the Times. Um, can you articulate how much he's contributed since coming into that yeah. role start of the season? It's, it's been a huge impact. We've got to remember that when Buvac left um, a year ago. That was seen as complete crisis for Liverpool because this was Klopp's best mate, his right-hand man. This was the so-called tactical genius leaving. Um, and, you know, not only has his impact not been, his departure, the impact that's not been felt, but I think Liverpool have improved tactically. And I think it's, it, it's because, well, it's not because of, it's, it's Linda's working with um, Klopp. They've had a, they, they had an affinity right from the start when Klopp arrived. Linders was under 18's sort of bridge between the, the, the first team and the, and the youth academy. And Klopp liked him straight away. And I think you can now see two men working together really well. And, and what he talked about in the interview in the Times was fascinating because he was talking about the tactical work they've done in, in, in making the midfield play closer together positionally the, the three midfield players at all times so that when they lose the ball then the perfect position to to counter press really small detail but um if you think about how liverpool are playing a less expansive brand of football and yet they're scoring just as many goals as they did before and they're losing fewer goals than ever there's there's more i guess what you call tactical efficiency in the team mm. and I, I think linders is, is is a part of that because it's in those small details and you know, with those un, almost unrecognisable figures. You know, yeah. you know I, I've been doing some you know, research, uh, book research, and his name kept popping up when I was talking mm. to coaches. Apparently, he did a, he did an unbelievably mm. good session uh, for the Welsh FA of, of all yeah. people, and that's what a team is, isn't it? It is a collective, yeah. and sometimes, you know, the people because we live in an age of hype. Everyone knows, you know big players, big managers, mm. but the people underneath are the ones who sometimes make the decisive difference. Yeah, and I think we've, you know, we've seen that, let's say, with England, the, the contributions of the different people that Southgate's put around him. And I think you see that at Liverpool. I mean, Andres Kornmeyer is another one, the, the fitness coach that came from Bayern. The, the, the Liverpool are, are, are lasting the pace now in seasons much better than they did when Klopp arrived. They're, they're retaining intensity and lasting... Um, lasting seasons and that, that would be down in part to his work and Linders is, is, is I mean he's, I've interviewed him he's, it's like speaking to a kind of a young boffin he's, he, he's 100 miles an hour with his thinking there's an incredible football brain in there and sometimes you're sort of struggling almost to, to, to follow what he's saying but he's, um, he's, 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 he's so bright and, and that's, being, that's being put to use and as you say Mike it's not about a coach anymore a super coach it's about a a team around them because professional football's just become so you know refined so kind of marginal gain led that that you have to get more than just one thing right mm. let's go from the you know the arg- arguably sublime to the apparently ridiculous you know you're going to prague with chelsea this week don I won't be ridiculous. <laughs> very sensible <laughs> um you know what do you expect to find and 
give me a read on on the Sarri situation. It's interesting, actually, Johnny saying that it's not about the super coaches anymore. It's exactly what Chelsea recruited: mm. somebody that they thought they could transform everything with mm. one man and his philosophy, and it hasn't worked. Yeah, it just hasn't yeah. worked. I mean, they, they've it's an amazing contradiction at the moment in Chelsea, in, in that they are a, a team that are uncomfortable playing the way that the, their head coach wants them to play. There's discontent in the in the stands they, the fans don't like the style of football it's not um it's not attractive to watch it contrasts badly with Pep Guardiola's style and even with Jurgen Klopp's yeah. refined style this year and yet and yet Chelsea are a point off third place and destined I, I think to reach the Europa League final so still got two routes open to them to reach the Champions League because if they win this one they've got Benfica or Eintracht Frankfurt yeah and yeah and and, and the way that they the way that they play in Europe, it's almost like they're liberated from from a lot of the toils that they, they're enduring in the in the Premier League. Um, that they've, but they haven't been touched. They haven't been t- challenged properly in Europe yet. And I think that from now on, possibly beyond Slavia Prague, they'll they'll they will be challenged in the semi final and obviously in the final in Baku. There's a temporary truce on at Chelsea at the moment because they beat Brighton three 0 last week. <laughs> um, Is it that random? It's like honestly, that. It's game it's, by game, it's, it's astonishing. I mean, yeah. I thought. On Sunday, when uh, the previous uh, three days before that, when they played at Cardiff, that was the most toxic I've heard a football stadium or a football support since Benitez came to Chelsea. Yeah, um, and it was it was the amount of poison coming down from the sands, and you know, arguably justifiably to a lot of things, the stubbornness and the refusal to to pick in that game the kid that had just done so brilliantly for England a few mm. days earlier. But as it's turned out. A simple selection of Hudson Odoi and Loftus Cheek on the Wednesday, and uh, it, all that poison dissipated, and, and you know life is rosy again for another five minutes. See what West Ham do to them on Monday. Well, it'd be, it's, it is, it's a soap opera, but it's sort of lurching from one extreme to the other. There's no happy medium at Chelsea, and it probably never will be under Surrey. It's, it's fun, funny Don mentioned Benitez uh, there the, the, the could be a parallel in Sarri winning yeah, the, the yeah. Europa League and still being deeply unpopular and I remember being in Amsterdam the night well the, 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 the trip Chelsea won the Europa League and getting in the lift the morning afterwards with a couple of Chelsea fans and they were going yeah he's got to go hasn't he he just won them the Europa League <laughs> but they just weren't having him didn't like him and, and he had to go despite winning it and I think that's the territory Sarri could find himself yeah. into. Yeah, and also it won't help him because presumably Hazard is off, is he? Well, he's t- trying, trying his darndest, doesn't he, to to bring those matters to a head. It's hard. It's it's, it's, it's going to be very hard to to keep him, whatever the situation with the transfer ban is. So I, I think that is a yes. And um, it then moves on to do they also lose Hudson Odoi, which would be catastrophic, I think, given everything. But that, that's, that's very possible. More intriguing situation Hudson Odoi than, than Hazard because I do think even within the club now that they accept that, that Hazard will go and that maybe this is the time to sell they, don't, they want to lose him for nothing they can't afford no. to lose him for nothing next no. summer no. so so you, you sell him this summer and I think their talks planned late this week with Real Madrid second round so mm. maybe there'll be some progress on that but, but Hudson Odoi is a is a kid who is worshipped by the supporters who is talismanic in terms of the academy there is a source of inspiration for the kids at that academy a proof that you can get into the first team setup the current yeah. poster boy for the for the academy and yet he's also a kid that handed in the transfer request in january because he wasn't getting enough game time had the balls to do that i mean that yeah, I these days That's is incredible yeah. um and actually has his 
heart set on a move to Bayern Munich and probably still does. Uh, and yet he's, he's still worshipped. His, you know, fans chanting his name, mm. you know, one Premier League start behind him. And he is a breath of fresh air. He's, he's fearless in the same way that we've seen all those, that, that crop of young players mm. come through into the England setup and play with this fearlessness. That is Hudson Adoy. And if Chelsea lost him, I think it would send out the worst message possible. Yeah. Um, it would be absolutely, I mean, it would be cataclysmic for the academy and it would leave the club looking as if they didn't know where they were going at all. Mm. Where are Arsenal going? <laughs> um, you know, they've got uh, Napoli in the Europa League. Yeah. Um, they've got the second leg away from home, which is ominous given their away yeah. form. Does that away form signal a basic lack of character? I think it signals a, a lack of overall class, actually. I think there's a big similarity between the Arsenal situation and the United situation, which is probably why they're almost identical in, in the league, which is deeply flawed squads in terms of their composition. Some real talent at the top end of the pitch and some dross elsewhere, let's be honest. Mm. And that comes that's brought to bear when, when things get really difficult away from home. Quite often the defence buckles, can't keep a clean sheet. Midfield can't control a game. I think you can you can look at United in similar terms. And then of course you're talking about a manager who's having to, to try and clear up a mess left from, from what came before, which is another parallel. That's before you talk about characters. It's fair to raise that, Mike. It's, yes, we, I do wonder about the character of certain players. You know, <laughs> don't probably need to list them, but we can, you know, we'll make, let's, idea. let's just say Mkhitaryan, Ozil, etc., etc., etc. But I think this is more fundamental than that. I think, I think they need better players. Yeah. They need a, a clearer um, identity. And I, I don't actually think that's a coach's fault. I think that's just what he's inherited. Mm. And like United, this is a huge summer for them and Napoli is, is, is probably the most difficult draw they could get because of what the Sao Paulo will be like and because of Arsenal's away form. Mm-hmm. Are they likely to make the top four? Well I, I thought that they were they were showing the signs that they, they could sort of muscle their way into, into that but I think I'm right in saying they've only got two or six mm. games left at home mm. and the others are all away and, and, and on the basis of that alone no they're not going to make the top four. I think Spurs will have a little bit of a boost with the new stadium now so that they will probably recover from this blip and, and finish in that, probably finish third. And then it's really whether Chelsea get their act together in any way and I don't really think they will to win or to, to get into that top four, to finish in that top four. And whether United... Because United have been iffy recently yeah, as well. Have. I mean, their form hasn't actually yeah. been that encouraging. I, I agree that Chelsea and Spurs, are, I think they're better teams or better first 11s than the other two. They should do it. Yeah. But there's reasons to wonder whether, for both of them, whether they, they can. Mm. Some questions, uh, if I may, from the uh, listeners and the viewers. We'll start one from Michael Murphy. What roles and impact, if any, do the panel expect the Liverpool players returning from long-term injuries to have on the run-in. He mentioned specifically Gomez, the Ox, mm. and maybe even Brewster. Well, Gomez is, a, is, a, is a, the light, light, likeliest to have the biggest impact, I think. Although Matip's played well, Gomez has got a bit of extra quality and, and tremendous recovery pace, and maybe Matip and Van Dijk between them don't have that, so that adds an attribute to the defence. Fantastic player. Ox is... I'm, not, I'm just not sure if he's... Even if he puts... a few games together where whether we'll really see 
the Oxley Chamberlain until next season that, that 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 we know because he's his game is based so much on energy and dynamism and he's still coming back from such a difficult injury. Um, Brewster might be a wild card, but they've got a great wild card in Daniel Sturridge to play, and I think Sturridge has still got it in him to have a a big goal coming off the bench this season. So of of those three, yes, Gomez can can add a little bit extra and, and, and have an impact before it's the end of the season. Liverpool squad that Sturridge didn't even make the bench exactly. on Friday. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Absolutely. Mm. Another Liverpool question uh, for Dom. This is from George Murray. Why has the possibility for an historic Premier League and Champions League double gone under the radar? Liverpool will likely make the semi-finals and top of the league, but all the talk is of the Man City quadruple. When we say historic, do we just mean in terms of Liverpool? Mm. Um, they, they've, they've done, done it, done before. it before. Did it in '77. United they? did it in 2008, '99. Yeah, yeah. Not historic. Quadruple would be. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, George. Uh, uh, Russ Merlis. He'd love to hear who you all think wins what trophy and the reasons why. Well, um, okay. So let's say let's simplify that. How many? How many are City going to win? <laughs> City are going to win three, and I think that. I'm, I would bet on Liverpool winning the league. I thought that before the Spurs game, I thought that was the, the, the pivotal fixture for them and they won it. I, look, it's, City are great, so I, I wouldn't want to have to have a bet. But as I said previously, I would rather be in Liverpool's position. So let's say City will win three and um, Liverpool will win the one they really want. Dom? Well, I did something for the Guardian last week, which I had City down to win two. I had Juventus to win the Champions League and I had Wolves to win the FA Cup. <laughs> and on that basis, I suppose City will now probably... I thought, I thought Wolves were suited to play City in the, in the Cup final. I'm not sure Watford necessarily will be, although they will give it a go. So I'll say City will win the... Um... Mind you, I had City to win the league as well. Yeah, OK, we'll add, them, add three, yeah. OK, having said, having said that Liverpool are going to win all their games and that City yeah. might drop points in the show, I'm now going to say that City are going to win the league. Right. <laughs> so who's winning the Champions League? Juventus. Juventus, right. Juventus. Yeah. In Hamilton, despite the last few results, can United do a miracle again? And who are United's key players if they are to do that? Yes, they can do a miracle. It's... It, it's it's not impossible for them because of the, what, we've, what we've outlined. Um, and it has to be um, Rashford, I think, more than anything else. Rashford on the break, Rashford Martial and, and Lingard, the, the kind of unsung ingredient. Not sure about Pogba v, v Real Madrid, but uh, v Barcelona. But, but yeah, those and, and De Gea. Yeah, De Gea is going to have to be Superman again mm. in the new camp. OK. Um, Gerd asked... Um, will the new stadium attract the players Spurs need to make that next step up, the last step up? Uh, the new stadium and and the money that Daniel Levy is willing to pay them could attract the players to make that last step up. There's going to, I think James Olley in the Standard wrote last week that they, a number of those players are fringe players or even even players like Kieran Trippier might be allowed to move on in the summer. Talking about 12 players moving out yeah. of doors. I mean, you never, you never get that many move. Um, so you're probably talking at most four or five of those 12. But, but if there is a bit of a change over there, I do, I do think they'll have the clout to attract pedigree. Um, and, and that's always been the plan, hasn't it? You know, get the stadium, get that re- ready, and then you can kick on to the next level. Um, if they don't do that, then Pochettino won't be there very much longer. So over to Daniel Levy, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? <laughs> right, um, a name we all know, Phil Dorwood. Oh, yes. What do the panel think is the all-time greatest achievement by a British team in the history of European club football? Right, OK, well, I, I know what Phil wants. Phil's a Dundee United supporter, so he's, he's, he's not going to get that. He's going to get the answer I think he knows I'm going to give. I, I, actually, no, I was, look, I, was, I, I think there's, there's two, clearly there's two. One is Aberdeen um, being, <laughs> being Real Madrid <laughs> to win the Cup <laughs> Cup final. But actually, my real answer would be Celtic, I have to be honest. I think Celtic in 1967, the story of, of the, the 11 players, that, that you know, 10 of them came about five miles from the ground and the other one, the, the foreigner, came 20 miles from the ground on the Ayrshire coast. Built by Jockstein, beating the most extraordinary European force of the time in Inter Milan, who were just unstoppable at that point, with the brand of football that they played, breaking the, the, the glass ceiling for, for British clubs. A truly historic great team that then won, won nine in a row, won five trophies that year. I mean, forget City's quadruple, they won five if you count the Glasgow Cup, which was a big trophy in Scotland anyway at that time. So I, th- I, I think that there's their story, only Ajax, that Cruyff team, which had that similar local feel to it, were, were, were in any way in the same ballpark. And because of how football is, it'll never be done again. Mm, yeah. Away from Tartan Torna. Torna. <laughs> um, what about Istanbul? Obviously, with Liverpool, the Manchester United psychodrama at the end of the 99 final. Any of those register? I, I mean, I was... Even Man United in 68. I, I was at, I was in Istanbul at that game, and, and that was the most remarkable game of football I've ever yeah, been at. at. Absolutely ludicrous. Um, not least because of the quality of the Liverpool team on show, <laughs> um, but that that was astonishing. Yeah, I'd probably I'd, I'd go with that for Rafa Benitez to have almost well inspired that victory, despite for, all the things that he got wrong yeah. at halftime as well, and in his original team selection for Jimmy Traore and not yeah. Paolo Maldini to be holding the, the trophy. Just lot. yeah, <laughs> it was a, what a night! What an incredible yeah, it was. night it was. was. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about the future of the Champions League in recent days. The Premier League clubs have come out against uh, the idea that there should be a, you know, a qualification should be almost historical. There should be more first round groups so everyone gets more money. If you're a big club, rich gets richer, forget about the poor. Where is the Champions League going? How important is this stand by the Premier League clubs, if there is going to be a stand by them, against what I would see and what many people would see is an unnecessary dilution mm. of the Champions League. Well, we are on a collision course and, and it, it's between the two biggest leagues in the world, which are the Champions League and the Premier League. And from a business, I mean, we, there's a, before we talk about romance, from a business point of view, I don't see the need for the Premier League to go along with any of this because they've actually got the, the best product, the richest product. And the only way that the, the European clubs can catch up is by turning the Champions League into something that, that makes as much money for them as, as English clubs get from the Premier League. So if the Premier League agreed to allow the, the Champions League to expand to become effectively you know, a 30-game a, a, a season or weekly league competition, it would make no business sense. They'd be, they'd be allowing Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and all that sort of stuff to, to get a big piece of the pie that they're already cutting up. And then to talk about romance, I mean, it's, it, it, if you take the, the idea of merit out of football, it just becomes an anathema to football fans. You can't, you can't do that. 
and and that's that's the worst thing about that. Not not the concept of a European league. It's the fact of a European league just based on on name and, and past glory rather than current merit that, that that has to be resisted. But that that's not why the Premier League clubs will resist it. It's, it's business reasons that they'll resist it. Yeah. For. And and those internal sort of business dynamics, Dom. You know, there's a lot of talk about the top six clubs getting up to seventy five million pounds more than the rest due to this new overseas TV deal. Are they sowing the seeds of the Premier League's decline because the gap will be cut, you know, it's already massive, it will get bigger? Well, yeah, they, they are. Um, not that they'll care, but they are. Uh, I think we, remember, go back to the, the autumn onset of winter, we were, we were all sitting here complaining that there weren't enough shocks in the Premier League anymore and that the, uh, the lower-ranked teams weren't achieving the, you know, the startling, eye-catching victories over the elite. That balance was redressed a bit over the winter with you know, Leicester beating yeah, City yeah. and Palace winning at, at City, etc. Um, and Arsenal sort of wobbled, Spurs' recent wobble. But that's what we want to see. We don't want to see two teams every year mm. um, just running away with it and not losing any games en route. Um, it's, it can't just be a you know, tete-a-tete between two teams. It's got to be... Four, five, six, going for the, the the league title, and then other things to play for within that division, and, and you're getting the odd surprise like a Leicester City coming through. We'll always look back at Leicester City's yeah. achievement as being, you know, the ultimate romance in the in the Premier League era. What you know, whatever happens, that will probably never be mm. bettered in terms of in terms of romance. But you need to give clubs a chance to aspire to achieving that to emulating what Leicester did and yeah. if you if you make it a closed shop at the top then there is no interest there mm-hmm. well there seems to be no limit to short term greed and frankly stupidity big clubs and their apologists should be careful what they wish for thanks for joining us here on the football writers podcast Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.